Welcome back to the Religion and Story podcast. We're in the process of discussing the differences between the Catholic Church and the Churches of Christ. Let's dive back into the conversation as we tackle the issues of original sin and the ministry of priests in the Church. How you're supposed to confess to a priest uh, um, and that the Church and God, uh, at least in the Churches of Christ, they act as your witnesses whenever you confess. So, and I and let's talk about confession all the way into how they how do they come to the idea that a an infant when baptized is able to confess when they're not even able to talk? Uh, I think that's a, a serious issue of how can you say that this uh, baby is now saved if they have no ability to confess when that is shown to be something that needs to be done whenever you're saved. So, so you're pointing to some of the issues that we have with original sin. Um, would one of y'all, or I can do it, but uh, let's define what do uh, Catholics or Calvinists or name your Christian group, and for the, uh, what do they believe original sin is, so defining the concept. And I think it would also be good of us to acknowledge that I believe that original sin is a dominant doctrinal point across Christendom, that most people that say they're Christians believe an original sin. So so we're actually coming from the minority on this issue, which yeah. is good by me. <laughs> yeah, um, minority well, majority doesn't matter. Minority no, it, right. I'm just acknowledging it. Yeah. Um, so to answer Michael's question, um, I, you can just look it up on Wikipedia if you want it in a nice organized form. But original sin has a vast uh, sort of spectrum of meaning. Uh, let me look it up. Okay. Um, here's just one sentence describing that spectrum. The condition has been characterized in many ways, ranging from something as insignificant as a slight deficiency or a tendency towards sin, yet without collective guilt, referred to as a sin nature, to something as drastic as total depravity or automatic guilt of all humans through collective guilt. So there's a spectrum there um, in just what original sin means. It's also on the Wikipedia page. You can scroll down, and you can look at specifically the Roman Catholic view of original sin. If y'all want to talk, I'll read up on that and uh, I'll sort of give us a nice synopsis of what they mean. Yeah, I mean, Calvinists, they sum up their uh, salvation plan under the TULIP acronym. Um, but yeah, I guess and we, we, should, we should spend a whole other podcast on that, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so if, yeah, if, if, I'm, if I'm a Catholic, if I'm, if I'm a Christian and I'm trying to find a verse uh, to talk about original sin, um, I'm going to go to Psalm 51 verse 5, which I'll read in a second. But also, I would just go to anything that Paul wrote. More specifically, I would go to Romans. Yeah, Romans. And some of the things that he said there. But first, uh, Psalm While you're 51. looking at Michael, go ahead. Well, I, I have it right here. Um, Psalm 51, 5. I'm going to read it first out of the NIV and then out of the English Standard Version. Uh, first and, NIV. Sure, sure, surely I was David at first. correct. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you. So this is David, David's psalm. Um, Surely I was sinful at birth, 
sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And then uh, in the English Standard Version, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So we actually already have a bit of an argument going in our two different translations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to add that just according to Wikipedia, and they're not the, um, the authority I know, but they cite authority. Good enough for today. Um, yeah. Um, that it does seem like the Catholic Church has that more drastic of views um, for original sin, that uh, humans not only are inclined to do evil, but there is also collective guilt um, that is passed on um, sort of genetically. Right. And actually, one of the ways they would say that Jesus did not have the original sin is going to is the fact that Mary was actually sinless as well, yeah. um, that, that Mary experienced a virgin birth, um, that and this is actually this is going back to the very beginnings of of, of the church history when the carnal nature of sex was. Uh, was looked upon in an evil way. So right. the very act of conception of having a child was considered uh, part of that evilness. So that's why it was important that Mary uh, was a virgin when she had Jesus. But not only that, but they also say that she continued to be a virgin. If you want to poke holes in that argument, you quickly can say, well, Jesus had siblings, and so she did not remain a virgin. Uh, unless you well, think that these other brothers they're all and sisters born. are divine, yeah. So right. Well, we, we also know from scripture. Figures? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, this perhaps this is anyway. Let's not get into that. One another thing. No, I think you stated it well. Another thing is that scripture tells us that Mary opposed the ministry of Jesus. That Mary and uh, Jesus' brothers would come and basically say he was crazy try to get him out whenever he was preaching. Um, and, you know, he would say, you know, who are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters? It's those who do what God says. Uh, so that I know we're trying to talk about original sin, but we, we sh- you know, I guess we're also talking about Mary. I think those two ideas are intertwined together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think, yeah, you all were saying, we might talk about this more just on a, or Calvinism, um, but obviously I, y'all know that I sympathize more with the sin um, nature part of it, uh, the inclination to do evil. But I, I think we can all three agree on the uh, the collective guilt uh, seems a little bit more fishy. And there's there's a lot of scripture that can be cited. Michael, you already cited one main passage, and there's there's a handful of other passages that are hard to get around. Um, in the Calvinism discussion. Um, but uh, for most people, um, even those who prescribe, like Michael said, you say the majority re- prescribes for Reformed theology or a, a, an idea of original sin, even so, most people in reading Scripture don't, um, in their independent interpretation, believe in sort of uh, sinful nature or collective guilt. Though they prescribe to it, they don't believe it in their heart or in their mind. Mm-hmm. And for the rest, I think we should devote an entire podcast. And listeners, please please tell us if this is something you're interested in hearing about. 
but I consider myself an Arminian, a Pelagian, uh, someone who very much goes against the idea of a sinful nature that we choose uh, that we choose to sin, and it's because of that choice that we are like Jesus in having a a nature that is from God that is capable of not sinning, but we choose to do it anyway. Um, I'm getting too far off topic. Uh, that's a topic for another day. So, yeah, you're revving me up for another good argument. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll have to save that for another time. No, we definitely have three differing opinions on regard to human nature, but yes, uh, the list is oh, we, we have we have for to... a potential podcast. That's true. Maybe we'll become a weekly podcast. So, um, um, so I, I think we're running pretty close to time. Uh, so let's let's get into the final thoughts. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back on the Catholic Church. So, so we're we're talking about the Catholic Church's view of original sin. We've talked about that. We've talked a little bit about Mary. We've talked about uh, leadership within the Catholic Church. What else do we need here's to one, address? Here's one I forgot to mention. This, I mean, this I think could be. Give me your quick comments on what are your thoughts about Saturday Mass? Uh, I, I will admit that I am not as educated in what Catholics um, profess that they are doing at a Mass gathering. Um, right. as, as a Protestant, as a member of the Church of Christ, we are very firm believers in Sunday as the day where we celebrate, uh, collectively, we celebrate uh, the rising of the Son of God, defeating death. Um, and But that bleeds into the rest of our week, that I don't just stop worshiping after an hour or two on Sunday. That worship continues. If Catholics want yes. to gather the rest of the week, I'm fine with that. Now, if that is their central gathering time, whether they're Catholic, Church of Christ, or whoever. And I Michael, find, what you mean by central gathering time, I think, is time that they take communion. Um, yeah, uh, thank you, Daniel. Good good, okay. good clarification. Yeah, right. I was thinking that, I mean, they could have said the same thing about us with our Wednesday night gatherings uh, for, for Bible study. And, I mean, they, not to say we only have Bible study on Wednesday nights, but, yeah, the communion uh, seems to be the focal point of, uh, when are you supposed to be taking communion? I mean, clearly we can see that Scripture says that the the early church or the church gathered on the first day of the week to break bread. Um, whether that uh, that that is talking about an actual meal, but that we also do know that it is also referring to the Lord's Supper. Um, mm-hmm. Next issue, uh, and we we mentioned transubstantiation i'll throw it out again is this a salvation issue so no, no one agrees with it uh, it's wrong let's skip that issue wait 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 i i want to stand up just a second and point out uh one kind of a little bit of the history of this this is actually one of the things that martin luther um felt torn on and i, I kind of agree with him on this uh, it's very easy to read scripture and to see how this doctrine grew and how it's so powerful for them. Um, so uh, Stephen outlined this earlier, but I'll say it one more time. So Catholics believe that, uh, it, and I say Catholics, you know, Catholic doctrine says this. Maybe not every Catholic believes this. 
but they believe that when you ingest communion, the Eucharist, the 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 bread and the wine, that it becomes the body, the flesh and the blood of Christ. In fact, um, when early non-Christians heard Christians talking about this, they accused them of being cannibals because it sounded like they were eating someone's body. Well, anyway, uh, when Martin Luther was breaking away from the Catholic Church, he said that he believed in consubstantiation, that it is as if the uh, the communion becomes the body and the blood of Christ. Well, uh, when Michael, it goes into you, you're exactly right. But that's why I, I quickly dismissed this because when Luther said that, the Catholic Church said, "No, that's not acceptable either." Um, right. They are very right. adamant on transubstantiation, and that is something that we can universally disagree on, or we can say is wrong. That they, like the three of us, all agree. So, again, so I, I, I think somebody I think it's important. honestly believes it, is it a salvation issue? No. I don't think it is. Um, I think, though, yeah, it's I think actually it's just powerful. Silly. I wouldn't call it silly. I would say that it is a powerful reminder of of the way we interact with Christ in communion, how important the breaking of bread is. While I think it's wrong, I think that uh, we do ourselves a disservice when we dismiss the idea of the powerful interaction that Catholics have uh, in in the practice of communion. I think if we took it as seriously as they do, our communion experience I'm – not, I'm not trying to go for an emotional high, but I am saying uh, that we so intellectually – say that you can't you – know, it's not a matter of – uh, people's heart because I can do all sorts of things and have my full heart behind it and it can be just completely wrong. And that's why I was calling mm-hmm. it silly. So I, I, I would just, I would just say that it is, um, it is when, when we look at scripture, when he says, this is my body, uh, what he is doing is he's following an, an ancient uh, rabbinic um, idea that they would, that the rabbis would say, eat of my body, uh, and what they meant by that is saying, do what I do. You know, follow after me, live the life that I've lived, follow my teaching. So that's what we believe is happening when Jesus says, uh, this is my body, uh, you know, uh, do this in remembrance of me. Whereas Catholics would say, oh, we're, he's literally giving us his body. We would say, no, he's giving us his, his life and his teachings and the way we should interact. I hope that Catholics um, see that side of it as well, even if they continue in what we believe is the wrong view of transubstantiation. I hope they still see that um, we are following Jesus and what we do by taking communion. I, I know that we, we stretched this out longer than we, we wanted to, but I think it's an important thing to say, um, that there's something behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we can put in a few closing thoughts. Uh, Daniel, did you have any other comments? Uh, yeah, I'm really glad you asked. I was thinking about this from the very beginning. I did want to close by saying that the Catholic Church puts above all else. Um, they they have a creed, which Church of Christ obviously do not. They have a creed, um, the most notable creed, the Nicene Creed. Um, and they say that is their, uh, is 
the most important of all of their religious documents or words, greater than anything that any pope has ever said, um, they put the Nicene Creed at the top, right below the Bible. And if we read the Nicene Creed, uh, if anyone goes and reads it, they will likely find something that they agree with every single point that is made in the Nicene Creed. Um, and I, uh, that is encouraging to me to realize that uh, Catholics are my brothers and my sisters, uh, and that they believe the things of first importance like Paul lays out. Um, and that is encouraging to me, though we do have these very substantial differences. Michael? Sure. Um, I guess if I was going to make a closing point to our listeners, uh, if you have a Catholic friend and you're going to have a conversation with them about their faith, uh, I would start with this. You, you should ask your Catholic friend, are you daily in Scripture? Are you continually going in prayer uh, to God through the Spirit, which is another thing we didn't talk about, but are you continually going to him? Uh, rather than depending on someone else for your faith. If they're willing to do that, I think they are open to discussions about what the Bible says on these various issues. Um, and that if they're willing to take their faith seriously, um, as Jesus said, surely you are not far from the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and that comes through engaging with Jesus and what he had to say. I was going to say, if they're not, you just shake the dust off your feet. Um, I was just going to make some quick comments about some traditional things that you see within the churches of Christ that are not necessarily in the scripture itself. Uh, just quick off the top of my head, like the dedication of babies that we do. Um, I don't know why we do that. It's some do. It's nice. Yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah, some do. Um, just, you know, the overall structure of worship, is, which has almost become a, a joking point. Uh, was it three songs, prayer and scripture communion? I can't remember. It's changed so much over the years, which I think a lot of people are upset about. Uh, that and the laying of hands by the elders. Um, I see where they get their, uh, their inspiration from. Definitely isn't scriptural. Is there harm in it? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, but you know, could potentially be a stumbling block for somebody that doesn't really know where that comes from. Anyway, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, like Michael and Daniel were both saying, if you're wanting to have a talk with uh, somebody that's Catholic, hopefully that you, you can have a common ground that, you know, the scripture is the ultimate authority and you can just go from there. But I think that's all we got for today's show. Uh, again, if you want to get in contact with us, we have our blog at uh, which is www.religionandstory.blogspot.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, add us on Facebook. I don't care if I don't know you, I might not accept, but yeah. Um, <laughs> also, you can find us on uh, uh, SoundCloud, um, and uh, hopefully you find this uh, two-for-one podcast is pretty much what it is. We went about double the time that we normally do. So everybody have a, a, a wonderful February. 